everyone, it's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from Fintech Today, where we talk about all things fintech. Today I am joined by a very special guest. For those of that have been following along, you know that this podcast is named after my dog Tux. Well, Tux does not only have a mother, he has a father and my husband, Jordan Greenberg, who is also the head of ad sales and partnerships at Fintech Today, is on the podcast with me today. Jordan, how are you? Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so before you met me and before you really dove into uh, fintech at Fintech Today with us, you weren't super familiar with the term and things going on in this space. What necessarily drew you to this other than the fact that your lovely wife is very interested in fintech? <laughs> I think the thing that drew me to fintech the most is that it's just such a booming space with so many smart people involved and so many neat up-and-coming startups and products coming out, uh, what seems, by the week. Yeah, so, okay, so now that you've dove into it, what products have you been using? Because I know something that happened to me when I started uh, writing about fintech back at Bloomberg is that I wanted to start using a lot of these products. I was restricted a little bit in that when you're a journalist at Bloomberg and other places, you're often not allowed to buy or sell stocks cryptocurrencies, etc. So it limited what I could do on um, trading platforms like Robinhood or things like that. But you are not restricted. So what things have you been using lately now that you're learning about a lot of these up and coming uh, companies via our FinTech Today community? Well, I think that we should break this up into two categories, pre-FinTech Today and post-FinTech Today. Good idea. In a pre-FinTech Today world, I was really, I guess, limited in the scope of products that I used. I think I mostly relied upon the Schwab online brokerage, my TD bank account, and even Robinhood simply because I thought it had a good interface. It's fun to see live tickers. Uh, in a post-FinTech today world, my scope has, has really expanded just as I've learned more from our community, as I dove deeper into the products and followed along with their growth as well. So now I'm starting to use things like Coinbase, Gemini, MetaMask, uh, even uh, Chime. H.M. Bradley is where I'm storing most of my money now. Uh, it's really fun to just dive in and try out these new products, uh, get a few incentives like I have from public. Um, it's really great to just dive in and explore these products and see what each uh, offers and how each uh, is is individual on its own. Yeah, you mentioned incentives. What are some of these? Public was one, but I know there's uh, some others at these companies as well since I use them too. I think the best one that I've discovered so far is H.M. Bradley. Uh, I've traditionally stored most of my money in uh, incumbent checking account at TD which doesn't really offer a great interest rate. Uh, and now with HM Bradley's online banking product, I've been able to get interest rates as high as 3%. So I've really started to roll most of my money over to their checking account. And Julie and I have even uh, been one of the first, I think, to launch our joint checking accounts with HM Bradley too, simply because we're earning uh, much more money on our money than is possible anywhere else. Yeah, so for those that are unfamiliar, H.M. Bradley is probably one of the newest so-called challenger banks. And the interesting thing to me is that their interest rate is based on how much money you're actually saving. So I always aim to 
um, save more than 20% of my income, you also have to have at least one direct deposit per month. There's no minimum on that direct deposit either. Though, If you get like a $100 paycheck, that's fine. As long as it's a direct deposit, that works. So if I save 20%, I get 3% interest on my money, and then it scales down from there. If you don't save any, then you obviously get a much lower percentage, and the highest interest rate you can get is 3%. Um, and then, yeah, some of the other ones that you mentioned, public gives you stock, same thing like Robinhood does. Uh, mentioning the brokerages too, did you trade before there was zero fee commission or no? No, I did not. You did not. See, I did. I remember the days back in college when I was learning about trading since I was a finance major. And um, I, I believe it was interactive brokers where I did most of my trading. And it was never a super high fee because, look, I was a college student. I wasn't trading these massive sums of money. And it often scaled up just based on how much you were trading a little bit as well. Um, but it was very interesting to see that transition because I almost wasn't even a part of it then because by the time that the zero fee commission came around, I was then a journalist and I was no longer allowed to trade stocks. Um, do you, so you trade, do you have any sort of like more investment account where you do things that are for more savings like ETFs, index funds, etc.? I, I do. I use uh, my Schwab account for the ETFs and the index funds, the things that I'm thinking like long-term growth with. Okay, got it. Cool. No, I think uh, there's so much going on. And one of the new things that has popped up, and you actually wrote about this in a recent piece for our premium subscribers, is what's called NFTs. And the brilliant thing for you is that I've been in fintech for a long time, and I don't know much about these either because it's a new phenomenon. So you're right there with the rest of us learning about what an NFT is. Can you explain that for me? Like, for what does NFT even stand for? <laughs> sure. Uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Uh, in another way of putting that, uh, a non-fungible token is effectively... Uh, the process of minting a piece of art or a digital asset and really creating a one-of-one -one or a limited batch of, of product. It's effectively assigning uh, scarcity to an online digital asset. That could be a piece of art. It could be a GIF. Uh, we've seen that uh, pieces of land in an Ethereum blockchain world have actually sold uh, online digital tokens, NFTs. Uh, it's really endless the possibilities that NFTs can play in this ever-expanding uh, metaverse. So in this process of researching them, you actually created one of your own, right? Walk us through that process a little bit because there were parts of it that were fairly easy for you and then other parts that were, for lack of a better term, a total pain in the ass. <laughs> I did. Uh, I think... You know, I'm a curious person and I've been reading a ton about NFTs because they were getting a lot of coverage uh, in the fintech space. But one thing I hadn't seen was anyone really do like a detailed walkthrough and illustrative uh, guide towards the process of uh, creating an NFT, uh, minting an NFT and then packaging one for sale. Uh, so I did a bunch of research and created my own. Uh, and like Joy said, I published it uh, for our premium audience. 
And it was really eye-opening. Um, I think one of the cool things was just the creative process, you know, letting myself think about something that might actually attract a broad audience and something that was relatable, uh, which was a lot of fun. You know, I, I wanted to do something that brought everyone back to a certain point in time. Uh, so I drew what I call the big S. I think that's something that all of us have done in elementary school, so it's really relatable. Uh, and then I think after creating the product and settling on a, a final uh, version of it, I moved on to what is known as the minting process. Uh, I describe this as where the magic happens. <laughs> uh, so in this process, what you effectively do is actually create the token that goes along with your online digital asset. In my case, I created a GIF. Uh, so I had to go to a number of different sites, all of which I located through my good pal Google. Uh, I had to upload my GIF. And from there, you can uh, begin the minting process, the first step of which is creating an online store. Uh, this isn't like the traditional store in a sense. It's not like I just open up a website and I can begin selling things right away. Uh, in this process of creating a store, what you actually do is create the smart contract that goes along with your digital asset. Uh, the frustrating thing about this process, however, is that you have to pay what is known as a gas fee. Uh, this is one of the things that was frustrating to me as a creator in this new economy. Uh, a gas fee is largely based on the uh, number of people that are actually trying to create or use and utilize the Ethereum blockchain. So I got gas fee prices that ranged anywhere from $100 to nearly $2,000 or just over one Ethereum coin. Uh, I had to go to a number of different sites to try and find the best gas fee price and the one that also would allow me to pay one gas fee uh, as opposed to gas fees each and every time I wanted to mint an NFT. And on it, the, the gas fees ranged a lot, right? I remember you were, you were texting me because you were visiting your family at this point. So we weren't in the same apartment together. There, it was like in the thousands of dollars at one point, right? It was. Uh, I think each site gave you a slightly different gas fee uh, in each site charge a slightly different rate. So I, I saw them range uh, big time across the board. Um, but at the end of the day, I was really set on finalizing this process. Julie at one point in time said, you know what, you've come this far. Everyone in the audience will understand like this gas fee is just too high of a price. You know, just write that it was frustrating. And I was like, no, nope, no, no. I'm going to go ahead with this. I really want to make sure that I've completed the process and I go through each step, step by step. Uh, so eventually I found a site called OpenSea where you can effectively create your store uh, and you can mint your token. But once you actually go to list your item for sale or put it up for auction, you have to pay a one-time gas fee. Uh, and at this point in time, the gas fee, when I went to initially list my NFT for auction, was only about $100. But one of the other pains was getting enough Ethereum in my MetaMask wallet 
to actually pay for it. Uh, mm -hmm. I struggled with this because you need a traditional debit card to do so. I didn't have it with me in Philadelphia. Uh, and when you're in Philadelphia, there are different rules than when you live in New York. Uh, so I struggled initially to actually get enough Ethereum into my account. Uh, a lot of these debit cards like Cash App actually prevent you from putting the Ethereum or buying the Ethereum through MetaMask. And then if I wanted to buy in Coinbase and roll it over, you have to pay more fees and it just gets uh, infuriating and frustrating and expensive really quickly. But eventually, through a lot of perseverance, I did get enough Ethereum uh, to pay for the gas fee and I was able to list my NFT for auction. There you go. And it's still up there for a couple of days if you guys want to look for it. It's um, I believe we've tweeted it out from the FTT account and whatnot as well. I've definitely tweeted it from my Twitter if you want to go look at that as well. So now that you've gone through this process, what are your overall thoughts on NFTs? Do you see these sticking around? Are there certain use cases that you see it being very valuable in? Like, what do you see the future of here? I think NFTs will be around for some time. Uh, I mean, for me, it, it was really cool to go through the process. Obviously, I described a few frustrations, um, but I think that, and I, I wrote about this in my piece, NFTs are fairly relatable to the SPAC phenomenon. Uh, we've seen NFTs created by guys like Logan Paul and uh, the artist Beeple that have sold for upwards of $50 million. I'm not in Logan Paul's case, but people sold one at Christie's auction for $69 million. That's pretty amazing. You know, for a phenomenon that's so new, being able to generate that type of income and become the third most valuable living artist is pretty amazing. Uh, it was my hope that I would become the fourth. <laughs> side note. <laughs> uh, side note, we have not yet, but if someone out there wants to bid on it at, you know, 50 or so million dollars, you will get an amazing NFT, I assure you. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, though, a way to, uh, in the art world, get a piece of art as an NFT or something like that. And you, you bring up a good point with the SPAC trend, the special purpose acquisition vehicles, in that one of the reasons that Beeple's piece did so well is that Christie's and others did incredible marketing for it, right? A key to the SPAC trend as well is having these amazing people behind it, like Shamath Papatia, celebrities like Shaq has a, a SPAC, um, DJ Khaled has a SPAC, Jay-Z. Getting those people to promote it is huge. I mean, that's one of the big ways that they're actually going to gain traction and gain investors in order to go out and acquire another company at at some point, hopefully, um, you know, going off of all of these trends, I guess I'll leave you with one final question. And it's where do you see fintech going in the next few years? And what do you think you're going to be most focused on? We've we've talked mostly about what's going on in the consumer facing space, um, but you can also go in the B2B space. I mean, you've seen some of the struggles that Ian, my co-founder, and I have had in terms of setting up payroll, um, setting up benefits, running small businesses, sending invoices, all these things. It's still this really challenging process uh, because I think a lot of the B2B innovation has been slower than the consumer side, which I didn't necessarily notice when I was at Bloomberg and other publications since 
by nature, you focus on the consumer facing stuff at those places because that is who the audience is. And the, the beauty of FinTech today is that we have both consumer and business audiences, so we can just dive into whatever the heck we want to. <laughs> yeah, I think that, again, there are two ways to answer this question, the B2B and uh, more con consumer oriented product. Uh, just to touch on the consumer stuff real quickly, I think that the interesting thing about fintech is that the power of it is almost limitless at this point in time. Uh, it's still such a new phenomenon. There are uh, new products and new companies coming out day by day. Uh, that's one of the most interesting things about fintech today is just learning about everything that these players are doing. Um, and one thing that I would really like to see as fintech grows as an industry is that the underbanked and the underserved become the primary uh, concern. Uh, FinTech just has the ability to really change people's life, get them better access to credit. Uh, even people with lower credit scores or no credit scores at one point in time, not that long ago, I had no credit and accessing credit, getting a credit card was a real pain in the butt. Eventually I did, and now I've got a fairly decent credit score. But for a lot of people, it's not uh, easy. So I would really like to see that be one of the hurdles that gets tackled. Uh, furthermore, I think just addressing climate is a really good area that fintech can focus on. Uh, we've seen companies start focusing on this uh, and offering rewards in uh, the sense of um, spending equaling uh, climate uh, or carbon offset um, rewards. And I think that that's going to be really interesting as we move forward. Uh, in terms of business to business type product, I think that APIs are really changing the game. Uh, it's just streamlining the whole process. Like Julie said, there are a lot of frustrating parts about the back end of the business, uh, you know, be it HR or uh, payroll benefits. I think that these things are all going to be uh, maybe not like evolutionary. I guess evolutionary is the right word as we move forward with fintech. Everything's just going to be much more seamless, much more integrated, much quicker uh, over the next couple of years. And I think that's going to be really interesting, especially for small business owners, just being able to onboard people really quickly make sure that people get paid efficiently and effectively, uh, make sure that people get set up with good benefits packages. Yeah, um, our friend Nick Milanovic from Google uh, sends out a newsletter and he always has a quote of the week. And uh, the one that came out this morning, uh, today is Friday, March 19th, uh, really hit home for me on a lot of these things because it's something I've tried to explain for a while and I've never come up with the exact right phrasing. But I think Balaji, former Coinbase executive and Andreessen employee, put it really well on Twitter the other day. Imagine that when you sent an email, it was printed out, delivered by Pony Express, and then scanned on the other side. The interface would appear modern, but the back end would be antiquated. Now you understand the relationship of fintech to the legacy financial system. And the way I've always explained it is my junior year of college, so back in like 2011, I interned at a large financial firm in wealth management. I will leave their name out of it. It's one of the, the large ones. It was in New York City. Uh, and I remember organizing the filing cabinet for them. And like, that's the way things are still running in a way. You have a lot that's online, but still cabinets full of documents that haven't been scanned in and whatnot. Um, so I think finding ways 
to make that work is super challenging, but it's going to be a challenge that there's a lot of companies that are focused on and have the smart people in place to help us out with that. Um, on that end, though, thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us. We'll have to have you back again soon. I appreciate it. I love being here. Uh, and that is all for today's episode of Tux Time. Join me again on Thursday when Koki Haziotis of Lasagna Technology is back with us. 